Hello, and welcome to episode 31 of the Bible Q&A with Pastor Stephen. My name is Stephen Pace, and I'm the senior pastor at Decatur Bible Church in Decatur, Michigan. This podcast attempts to answer Bible questions in a clear but thorough manner. If you would like to have a Bible question considered for a future episode, you can email me your question to pastorstephendbc at gmail.com. Again, you can email me your question to pastorstephendbc at gmail.com. In this episode, we'll be looking at the ascension of Jesus. This is, in fact, part two. If you would like to, part one is in the previous episode, which is episode 30. Now, in part one, if you haven't listened to it, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. On it, we cover three particular questions. When and where did the ascension occur? And then we looked at how did Jesus return to the Father? Was it immediate or was it gradually an ascent into heaven? But then third and final, we looked at what was the promise given on that particular day. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to it if you have not. But go ahead and grab your Bibles and we'll get started on part two. Now for our first question for this episode, are there any references to the ascension in the Old Testament by Jesus himself or the remaining New Testament writings? Now what we see is in the Old Testament there are two references to the ascension. Now again when we read these and think about these, these are of course forward-looking they're looking to the coming of the Messiah and there are two in particular that are mentioned now we will not turn for the first one but we will look at the second one the first reference to the ascension that would occur by the Messiah is in Psalm 68 in verse 18 again that Psalm 68 in verse 18 and that is in fact quoted by Paul in Ephesians 4.8. In other words, he references that psalm there. I do want us to turn, though, to Psalm 110. Psalm 110, and we'll be looking at verse 1, and we'll see the reference to the ascension. Now, of course, we need to be careful with this, this in the sense of that these are again forward-looking they're looking at the Messiah and so when we look back on them now we can see them more clearly but you'll notice this is a Psalm of David Psalm 110 and the Lord himself Yahweh is giving dominion to the king and of course this has references and allusions to the Davidic Covenant but you'll see in Psalm 110 in verse 1 it says the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Now this is actually in fact quoted, referenced in other words, in the book of Acts chapter 2 verses 34 through 35. So let me say that again. 
this Psalm 110 in verse 1 is actually referenced, quoted in Acts chapter 2, verses 34 through 35. And this is Peter's great sermon, and he references this very thing. And of course, just by a brief look at it, in Acts chapter 2, verse 34, Peter says, For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, and then he quotes what I just read. So in terms of the Old Testament, there's two references. They're both used in the New Testament. In other words, they're referenced. And again, that's Psalm 68, verse 18, as well as Psalm 110 and verse 1. Now, in terms of Jesus himself, there actually are quite a few of these references. Uh, we will not look at all of them, but I will give them to you uh, from the Gospel of John. The first one we'll look at is John 7, 33. So again, John chapter 7 and verse 33. Now again, if you just look at it chronologically, this is during the earthly ministry period of Jesus. And Jesus says, Therefore, for a little while longer I am with you, then I will go to him who sent me. So we can clearly see that Jesus predicting not only his death, which was forthcoming, it wouldn't be very long, but then after that, he would return back to him, and that's a reference to the Father, who is the very one who sent him. So you can see where Jesus spoke of that, alluded to that in John 7:33. But let's look also at a few others, John chapter 14 and verse 12. This is the upper room discourse. The night or evening before Jesus' crucifixion. And we see a few of these references. Let me read for you John 14 and verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, but notice, because I go to the Father. So again, he's talking to his disciples in the remaining hours before his crucifixion, um, of course, which would follow by his death, burial, resurrection. And then after 40 days, he ascends to the Father. And you can see very clearly there, because he knows that he's going to return to the Father. You see it also in... Verse 28 of the same chapter, we also see it in John 16, in verse 5, as well as John 16, verses 10 and 28. So again, you have many examples there where Jesus himself speaks of the returning aspect to the Father. In other words, the crucifixion would not be the end, he would return back to the Father. Now, in the Gospel of Luke, we have two references to it, Luke 9.51, as well as Luke's account of the ascension in Luke 24, verse 51. Now, for the latter part of the question, so we've seen the Old Testament, as well as the references from the Lord Jesus himself, but there's a few other that we'll mention here. I'm going to reference three. These are from the 
New Testament writings, meaning the epistles and such. 1 Timothy 3.16 1 Timothy 3.16 says, By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. So again, you can see where the apostles continue the idea of the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, in other words, the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. You also see this in Hebrews 4.14, as well as the last one that we'll look at, which is 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 22, it says, Who is at the right hand of God? This is, of course, speaking of Jesus and the resurrection of Christ in the previous verse. Who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him? So again, 1 Timothy 3.16 Hebrews 4.14, as well as 1 Peter 3.22. So clearly there's additional information, accounts, references, in addition to Acts chapter 1. So we have plenty that not only predict, but also confirm the ascension of Jesus Christ. Now let's move on to the second question. This one's more of a trivia question like we typically have. Now, in the account in the book of Acts, chapter 1, two men in white are mentioned there at the ascension of Jesus, again in Acts chapter 1. But I want to ask you this question. Who saw and spoke to two men in white at Jesus' tomb? So again, the question is, there were two men in white who were at the ascension, but there were also two men in white at the empty tomb, when we think of Easter or Resurrection Sunday morning, who saw but also spoke to the two men? Well, we can find the answer to this in John's Gospel, John chapter 20. In fact, we'll see it in verse 12, but let's read verse 11. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping, and so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been laying. So, interesting there that you have two individuals. In this case, John says that these are two angels, one that was sitting at the head, one at the foot of where Jesus' body was laying in the tomb, but it's always interesting as well that at the Ascension you have two men in white. Of course, many suppose that at the Ascension that those two individuals in white are, in fact, angels. But the answer to the question is, who was it that saw and spoke to them? And, of course, the answer is Mary. This would be Mary Magdalene. And so that is the answer to the trivia question, Mary Magdalene. She not only saw them, but of course you can see where there is a speaking to them as well. Now as we look at the third and final question, the question is, is there any significance to the ascension of Jesus? 
again, in this third and final question, I want us to consider is there any significance to it? And in order to arrive at an answer to that, I'm going to start with reading to you from Charles Ryrie's Basic Theology. He gives a good starting point for us to answer this. He says, quote, The ascension marked the end of the period of time of Christ's humiliation and his entrance into the state of exaltation. Even the forty days between his resurrection and his ascension involved some limitation as, for example, with respect to showing his glory. Now, I, I mention this and read this quote to try to get the ending of this where we can see what is the significance of it, what is the so what of the ascension, and you'll see where Ryrie points out that there's, of course, 40 days between the resurrection and the ascension, but one of those he points out is in terms of displaying the glory of the resurrected Christ. It's interesting because what he's speaking of here is that, of course, the disciples, and you can see this on the road to Emmaus as well as his other appearances to them, they were not as, if you will, overcome or overwhelmed by his appearance. Whereas, after his exaltation, in other words, after he is ascended and returned to the Father's right hand, we have an account of him in the book of Revelation. So, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9. And what Ryrie's speaking of here is that in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9, on the island of Patmos, John, meaning the Apostle John, in his age state, um, probably this is writing somewhere in the 90s, the early part, mid-90s. And while he's there, he sees, of course, the resurrected and glorified Christ. So this is years later after the ascension. And what does he see? Well, if you look in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9 through 11, you sort of see that backdrop, but then it says in verse 12, then I turned to see the voice that was speaking, and then he goes through this litany of descriptions. He describes him as the Son of Man clothed in a robe, of course, that speaking of his priesthood, his head and his hair are white like wool, he has eyes like flames of fire. His feet are like burnished bronze, and his voice is like the sound of many waters. But notice verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. It's interesting what Ryrie is pointing out is one of the things that you'll see is that after the resurrection and during the 40 days, Jesus clearly has a unique body. He has been changed to some degree. But by the time you get to Revelation chapter 1 and his appearance there to the Apostle John some, you know, we'll say approximate 60 years later, he's in this exalted, just absolute glorious state, and John is completely overwhelmed, whereas during the appearances during 40 days, the reaction of the disciples, and you can see that at the end of John's Gospel, isn't quite as overwhelming in terms of just his display of his glory, in other words, the way he's described. So, interesting to see that, and I think Ryrie's point is correct in pointing out the just differences. So, 
what you have is in Jesus' exaltation, in other words, when he's seated at the Father's right hand, he's in this magisterial state, uh, beyond words probably as John tries to describe it later in Revelation chapter 1. But one of the things about what is the significance of it, well, there's a few things. One is that Jesus, of course, he fulfills Scripture, but currently he continues his service and at first we might be thinking, well, what does that mean? Well, Jesus is right now seated at the Father's right hand, and he continues to serve as the head of the body, meaning the head of the church. He's also in his present session as the great high priest. You see that, for example, uh, so much in the book of Hebrews. He's our sympathetic great high priest, and he's, of course, crowned with great glory and, of course, honor much like what John described in this just magisterial display of glory. But then, so not only is he the head of the body now, the church, he's also our great, great high priest, he's also our advocate. And what does he do as our advocate? So Jesus hasn't ceased, if you will, serving and ministering and caring for his people. And that's really what I want us to take away on the one hand, of course, we see that there is obviously some sort of change visibly to him from those 40 days appearances to what the Apostle John sees on the island of Patmos. But perhaps the other thing is to remember what he is currently doing for us. And again, he serves as our advocate. In Romans 8.34, and I'll read, actually, beginning in verse 33. I think it might flow a little better. It says, Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Verse 34, Who is the one who condemns? Jesus Christ is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, but notice, who also intercedes for us. So one of the things to remember is that Jesus not only is the head of the church, He's our great high priest. We can go before the throne of grace. But he also is our advocate. He intercedes for us. And there's so many things related to that. So as we conclude this overview, these two parts, as we look at the ascension, the question would be, of course, is there any significance to it? Or so what? What if? What is the significance of the ascension? Well, clearly the ascension was significant for many reasons. There is the exalted, glorious state of his physical nature, if you will, but also we should be encouraged to know that Jesus still ministers. He still continues to be our high priest. He continues to advocate for us, and he will continue to do so until he comes. And so while we await his glorious return for us, we can be encouraged knowing that he is still there with us, just as he never prompted us to leave us or forsake us. Well, I hope that these past two episodes, this particular one and episode 30, have given you a good, a good overview of the ascension, the details about it, but perhaps most importantly, reminding us of Jesus' presence with us until he returns for us. Thank you for joining in for this episode, and be sure to tune in for episode 32. Until then, God bless.